Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Thank you, folks, for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. This one is going to be a very fun podcast just because we're we're going to be discussing mental health. Now, mental health to people is is very touchy subject, and some people do it for all kinds of reasons, but the biggest thing is that you ha- you're outdoors for a reason, and it helps with your sanity. It helps with your overall mood, your stress levels, and everything like that. And the, my guest tonight is we're going to be talking about like how archery really influenced his life in a very positive manner, similar to myself and similar to you folks out there listening to this current podcast here. So my guest tonight, his name is David Wooten. He is retired Army, and he is a, a strong advocate for the outdoors and archery, and he's got a real passion behind going after meat over over bones. So, David, man, I'm going to let you take over, and why don't you start us in the very beginning and like work us up to getting to know Dave? Yeah, so uh, like you said, my name is David Wooten. Um, I uh, got introduced into the outdoors and, and hunting and specifically um, rifle hunting at the ripe old age of eight years old. Um, my father took me out for my very first hunt. And the only thing okay. I remembered was falling asleep and waking up to a very loud gunshot. Okay. And <laughs> my father holding up this beautiful buck and, and, and saying, look, and I was like, wow, you got him. And that was my first experience in the hunt. And so I was intrigued. Uh-huh. Um because of that, I was like, oh, this is definitely something I want to get into, um, and just fell in love with it. But six months later, my father passed away. And wow. so that, that, uh, that influence of having a role model and having somebody to kind of show you more of hunting in the outdoors went away. And so I didn't have that influence. And uh, I didn't hunt again until I was or didn't even go out hunting until I was 12 years old. Um, some neighbors of mine uh, offered to take me out to their hunting camp and kind of show me the ropes and kind of mentor me. And um, I started rifle hunting at 12, which is, you know, I, I was from uh, uh, Berwick area of Pennsylvania, um, which is quite known for their high school football in PA. It's a okay. steel working nuclear power plant, small town, where they shut down Friday nights for football, um, huge, huge program. And so, uh, started hunting, started loving it. And, um, my life just got drastically complicated from there. Um, my, my mother decided to move, uh, South Pennsylvania. And at the time I was really good at sports. And so, um, I stayed back and stayed with these, uh, neighbors so I could finish out my football season while my mom was, was down South. Okay. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You know, uh, what 12 year old really wants to be away from his, his mom. Right. And so yes. especially seeing how she's my only parent and I had a lot of childhood trauma that I just didn't, didn't know, uh, was there. It kind of suppressed everything. And, um, 
basically took everything out on the football field. Football and baseball were my life. Um, And it was where I could, you know, forget about everything that has gone on in my life. Mm -hmm. I would find out years later that, that, you know, my father died from a drug overdose. It wasn't even, you know, I was told for so many years that it was a heart attack and it was, I was being shielded and, um, yeah, you know, it, it's hard when your hero, right? Your, your mm-hmm. father is your hero, uh, turns out to not be that hero that you thought he was. And mm-hmm. while I love the guy, um, and he's always my father, I had this, this pain and, and, um, wanting of a father for basically <laughs> uh, up until now, you know, and until, until I became a father. And so, um, I finally moved back home with my mom down south uh, into Lancaster, Pennsylvania, um, and didn't do anything but, you know, turn to the wrong side, so to speak. You know, okay. I, I chased women, uh, partied with my friends, and gave up the, the things that, that I loved so much, which was, was football and baseball. Like, I totally just didn't care about anything but going out with my friends and, and partying and doing things. and. Yeah. Um, you, you name it. You know, I, I, I dabbled in drugs. I dabbled in alcohol. I smoked all these things that I, you know, said I would never do. I did. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up towards the end of my senior year, uh, after being a complete womanizer from the time I was a sophomore until the end of my senior year, uh, I ended up meeting the love of my life who was a sophomore. And at the time, uh, my best friend's girlfriend, uh, was like, Hey, my, my good friend is single. I would like to introduce you. And I, at the time I was, I had no, no interest. You know, I just wanted to continue doing, doing what I wanted to do. And yeah, as, understandable. As, as fate would have it, you know, I, I blew her off the first time we were supposed to go out and decided I was going to hang out with my friends in, instead. And the second time we went out, I knew within the first hour and a half that I was going to marry her. Wow. And, that's, you know, impo- that's powerful. It's, it's part of my testimony. Um, I instantly, for the first time, the, the womanizing, the chasing after women, the only, only caring about one thing instantly vanished. Like I wanted, I wanted to hang out. I wanted to go experience things with her. I wanted to have a conversation <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, with her and I instantly fell in love, but it, that love wasn't strong enough to stop me from the self destruction that I was on. And, um, so the partying continued, you know, and, and I, I got through high school, didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, took a year off, bounced from job to job. Um, and then by the time I was 20, I decided I was going to try to go back to school. Uh, went and got my associate's degree in, uh, specialized electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. got a nice little job after that. You know, it's 22 years old now, 23 years old. And the, the self-destruction had never stopped, you know. And, and the whole time I was together uh, with Courtney, who is my wife, um, who I was talking about. And she just finally, uh, after I asked her to marry me, we got engaged. And, you know, she just saw the self-destruction and she knew that there was no future because I, I wasn't mature enough. And you know, I was uh, blowing money. I wasn't saving. Things yeah. that would scare, you know, a partner away, right? Mm-hmm. So she no. ended that, she ended that engagement and, uh, that was it. Uh, for me, that was, uh, okay. Self-destruction mode. Let's, let's amp that up times a hundred. So 
<laughs> I tell this story with no shame. Um, I went out with some buddies and uh, did some very uh, potent drugs and came home uh, after 24 hours of being up all night okay. and walked into my mom's bedroom and said, I'm going to join the military uh, tomorrow because if I don't, I'm going to die or I'm going to be in jail. Those are my two options. Okay. And so I walked to the army recruiter um, and said, what do you have for me? And <laughs> uh, he laid it out on the line. You know, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I don't really know. And at this time, this is 2005. So right, right in the height of, you know, both wars going on. You have Iraq and, and Afghanistan, both full swing going on. Yes. Right? And uh -huh. so I knew whatever I did that I was going to go to war. Because I was I was gonna enlist in the time of war. I'm 25 years old at this point in time. Yeah. And I went and enlisted, and I enlisted to be a um, go to airborne school, um, to go to ranger school, and to be an infantryman. Okay. And and I and I went and I excelled. Um, mm. For the first time in my life, everything clicked. Um, I was made platoon sergeant within two weeks of being in basic training. Um, and I don't know if that's because I was the old guy in in uh, in basic at 25, okay. you know, with a bunch of 18 year olds. Um, but I just got it. Everything clicked. I didn't get in trouble. I excelled on the PT test. Everything was was wonderful. But there was one one thing that happened in basic training that drastically changed and shaped my life. What up was until that? this up until this point, I, I didn't believe in God. Okay. Didn't have a relationship with God. I had been to church a couple of times, but in my mind, I was angry at God if there was a God in my mind, because how mm -hmm. could God take an eight-year-old's father away from him? Um, and so I was angry. I was an angry, angry kid my whole life. And when I got to basic, on Sundays, you have the option of going to one of the many services that they offer for every kind of denomination, every kind of faith. And to get out of cleaning the barracks and doing all that stuff, yeah. everybody would usually volunteer to go to church service. Um, so I okay. tried them out. I tried them all. Uh, <laughs> I went to Jewish <laughs> services. I went to Orthodox services. I went to Catholic services. Um, and during the, the Christian one, um, I met a chaplain. And this chaplain would, would basically shape my life. Um, yeah. He was the first person to question why I was so angry. Um, asked me if I had ever read anything in the Bible, um, and handed me a Bible and, uh, told me to start in the gospel of John. And, um, that was the very first thing that I had ever read in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And did it make me an instant believer? Nope. Uh, but it gave me a lot of questions, right? It opened that door. And, um, so I graduated, uh, basic training and immediately went down the road, Fort Benning, Georgia to airborne school. And who do I see it in processing, in processing for airborne school? The same chaplain. No kidding. And, 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 uh, he's like, Hey man, going, to, I'm going through airborne school. Uh, you know, because when you're a chaplain, you're usually an officer. Yeah. Um, and so he had to go, he was trying to get his airborne wing. So he, um, was there and again, continued to mentor me, talk to me. And again, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. Still had a lot of questions, but I was intrigued and I was asking questions. Whereas before I would have written them off and just said, you know, you're crazy. I don't believe in this. Go away from me. Um, yeah. And 
graduated uh, uh, airborne school as the enlisted honor graduate. So out of 325 people, I was the enlisted graduate. So uh, they give one to an officer candidate and they give one to an enlisted guy. And, and I actually uh, ended up winning that. So I had basically my choice of <laughs> where I wanted to go. And so um, at this point in time, uh, my wife and I started talking again. So God intervened again and had us started talking. So the closest I could get to her was going to be Fort Bragg, North Carolina, because she was in Pennsylvania. And so I thought, you know, if I'm ever going to reconcile this and, and get back together, I got to be as close to her as possible. So I went to home to um, the 82nd Airborne Division and in, in processing for uh, 82nd Airborne Division, there's that chaplain again. Okay. So, so now we have three instances where, <laughs> where, where this chaplain is, is, uh, is there. And so I, I continued to talk to him and, and just started to build this relationship. And the army was good. You know, I loved, I loved everything about it. But three, three weeks into being at the 82nd Airborne Division, we came up on orders to deploy to Iraq. Okay. And so this is May when we came up on orders and we knew that we were going in, in, uh, July, the middle of July. Mm -hmm. And so we trained all the time, uh, leading up to then, uh, that, that deployment date of, uh, July 15th or 16th. I, I don't forget which one it is, but right around the middle of May or middle of July. And so I wanted to make one trip to, to see, um, Courtney, uh, one last time before I deployed. Cause in my mind, I wasn't coming back. Uh, that was the height of Iraq and there was, you know, on the news, either somebody getting blown up or shot every single day. Yes. And so I knew I had a pretty good chance of not coming home. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to see her. I wanted to make it right. And so she was teaching a summer camp up in, uh, uh Poland Springs, Maine. Right? All right. So, okay. Um, I drove all the way from North Carolina to Maine, uh, to see her. Wow. Uh, and spent and spent some time. I had two days, so I spent some time with her, um, kissed her goodbye, and I told her I love her, and, and left, and ended uh -huh. up ended up deploying in the middle of July. Okay. Um, when we got there to Iraq, it was hot and heavy. Like it, immediately, we started doing missions, and uh, the second mission, um, uh, or, or actually uh, uh, a couple of days before our second mission, uh, she sent me an email. She was like, hey, we, we really need to talk. I need you to call me as soon as possible. Like, okay. Um, so I finally got a chance to call her, and she said, uh, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant. And I was like, whoa, okay, everything just changed. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I went to Iraq with the mentality of going to do my job and to kill as many bad guys as in my mind as possible. Yep. This news changed everything. It changed my preparation, changed my safety precautions. It changed a lot of things in my mind. Uh -huh. And so the, the second mission we, we got tasked to go on was we had received word that one of the guys on the, um, uh, infamous deck of cards was in this outskirts of, of the Saddam's hometown of Tikrit. And mm -hmm. so we did an air assault mission where we flew in a Chinook helicopter, uh, to the objective. And mind you, they removed all the seating in this, and then they sit everybody basically nut to butt. So everybody's sitting on the ground, kind of in between each other's legs, and you have all this gear on you. Mm -hmm. And when I came out of that bird, 
I stepped in a hole, right? And I had roughly 300 pounds of gear on. And when I hit that hole, mm-hmm. my leg went in and my, my leg exploded. Literally Oh, exploded. man. So uh, tore my ACL, my MCL, but PCL uh, on one straight shot. Damn. And the sheer burning and pain from it sent me forward, and I, and I hit my head on a rock, right? So I hit my head on a rock, had a gash in my head. And I wake up, and, which was real quick. I was out for maybe a second. I wake up and everybody, you know, I'm getting yelled at by my platoon sergeant. Um, you know, we're trying to get up and get off of this landing field, trying to go to our objective. And all I know is I'm in a lot of, a lot of pain, right? And yeah. so our objective is 10 kilometers away. How am I going to get there with all this weight? And I can barely walk. And so I'm hobbling and <clears throat> we end up, becoming combat ineffective during this mission because of the heat we're talking about 140 degrees uh people can't maintain water we're having uh our, our medics uh giving uh ivs uh all, all throughout the, the the march to this objective because the, the heat was just so bad yeah. um and we got to the point where we actually had to carjack a funeral uh digging party uh, at a local cemetery because they had a truck and we needed to get basically off of the road and to uh, a, a safety point. So we offered them money. They wouldn't take it. So at the last resort, we, we took their truck, handed them money. So they, they got their money, but we needed their truck. And so because I could barely walk, I was tasked with driving this vehicle. So I'm running everybody back to this house, back and forth and just driving and doing all this stuff. Yeah. And, I thought I was done. I thought I thought my mission was done. I wasn't going to be able to do anything. I was going to get flown back. I was going to have to do all these surgeries. And that was not the case. Uh, because I had a computer background, I was tasked with being the person to go ahead and, and kind of read SIM cards. So um, it's not really secretive anymore. But at the time, I had to sign a waiver and say you couldn't talk about it and all this stuff. But we had a drone that would circle over the city of Tecrete. Yeah. And, and, and read SIM cards. So when a SIM card would go off, we'd roll out and kind of go get the bad guys. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go on these missions. So I had my knee in a brace and I'm going down, uh, down these roads and my guys all leave me and it's black in, in the city of Tecrete. And the only thing that I can tell you is that's a scary situation when you're alone in a city with people that want to shoot you and kill you. And, um, I bet, I bet it is. It's got to be quite intense, especially with you, at least you probably, at least we're armed, right? Yes, I was armed. Uh, I just couldn't run. So I was hobbling everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that was my, my last mission, uh, in, in the army. And okay. so, um, I was given the option after that. I was like, Hey, I, I, I really can't do anything. This is, this is terrible. And, you know, the, the doc told me, you know, he's like, Hey, you're not going to really, do anything by staying here. Um, you can go home or you can stay here and just kind of work in, in the, in the headquarters and kind of do what first art needs and all this stuff. So I didn't want to leave my guys. And so I, I stayed until the end of our, our deployment and then I came home. And mm-hmm. so we came home in December of, of 20, uh, of, of 2006. So we deployed, deployed July of 2006, came home in December of 2006. And people were all like, why did you have such a short deployment? Because we were tasked with the cool guys. So we were tasked with a ranger regiment and um, a, a group of 
people we don't talk about, but they make movies about. So yes, uh, okay. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was blessed to be around them, you know, and kind of learn from them and, and watch all their stuff. And so when you're tasked with those guys, you're not deployed for 12 months. You're only deployed for six. And so we came home and I, in, I immediately drove up to Pennsylvania. Uh, we were given two weeks leave. A week into my leave, uh, I got a call saying, you need to come home. We're redeploying. Okay. And uh, this was uh, the surge that President Bush signed uh, in, in Jan- for January of 2007. So uh, it was a push to send more and more troops to kind of lock down uh, Baghdad and lock down Iraq. So okay. uh, I had to go see an orthopedic surgeon who basically said, no, he can't go. He's got to have multiple surgeries, which saved me from deploying. Okay. And this is where everything drastically changes. And so my guys are now deployed from January until November of 2007. Okay. And in September of 2007, um, uh, September 10th of 2007 to be specific, um, seven of my guys died at once. Yeah. Uh, seven of guys, seven of the guys that were, I uh, was friends with that I had known that had either been freshly married or freshly had a child. Yeah. And they died when their, their decent half went over and over pass. And so we didn't know if it was because of the driver falling asleep or a tire blown or whatever it may be, but these are open vehicles. And when they go off a bridge, that's several high. Uh, you know, several hundred feet or not hundred feet, but several feet uh, above the roads. It's, it's not, it's not ever good. So, uh, I was actually, uh, on leave and with my, uh, wife, uh, cause we had just gotten married in January, uh, of 2007. And we were at the beach with some friends. I was coming back from the beach and, and they told me and it destroyed me, um, and kind of sent me over the edge because I could have easily been in that vehicle. Um, yeah, that's true. And so you have this survivor's guilt. You have all this other stuff going on. And at the time, I didn't know anything was going on with me. And so after, you know, surgeries and things going on, nothing was fixing my leg. I was in a lot of pain and just, yeah. just you know, becoming addicted to the narcotics that the, the Army likes to give you as candy. Um I tell people all the time they were giving me 180 Percocets a month. So on average, they were saying take six Percocets a day. And these are high, high dosage Percocets. Um, And I easily got addicted to them. And not addicted where it was making me crazy. Addicted that I needed them to function. uh, Yeah. Because I just couldn't get over what was going on in in my body. Um, And what they came to realize was, not only was the ligaments in my knee damaged, but the nerve endings in my leg were fried because I continued to walk and do things on them and just shredded the nerve endings in, in my, my left leg. So they uh, decided to take that nerve out. So I have no feeling in my left leg um, and was told, you know, you can stay in, but you need to re- reclassify or, or get a different job, basically sit on a desk and you're not infantry. You're not going to jump out of a plane, all this stuff. Yeah. Or you can get out. All right. And at, at the time, I just had a baby and we had no help. And I, you know, my thought process was let's go back home. We'll have help from my mom, uh, my wife's mom and her family. And, 
and uh-huh. we can get out. So, uh, so I okay. went through the med board pro- process and the med board process took about a year and a half to go through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was not, I was not okay. Um, this was the first signs of having a mental health issue, right? Well, yeah. And we get out, uh, and I say we because my wife went through it as well. Uh, we got out and we moved back home to Pennsylvania and I was a shell of my former self. Uh, I was, I was nervous around a lot of people. I didn't like loud noises. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Uh, I refused to go anywhere and my wife knew I had a problem, but, uh, I kept telling her, you know, I'm okay. I don't need to see anybody. Um, the VA realized I had a problem and classified me as having PTSD. Um, I started sending me to a therapist, which, you know, I love the VA for some parts, but a lot of parts I just absolutely do not like them for. And one of them was their, their counseling. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I would see this counselor, uh, they would ask me how many times within the last week I had thought about killing myself. And that's just not something I wanted to talk. I didn't want to talk about that because a, I hadn't thought about it and you know, I wanted to get to the root of the problem and, yes. and, that, and <laughs> keep asking me that I kind of got annoyed and I, and I, and I stopped, I stopped going. I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you. Um, you know, at the, at that time I I was drinking heavily. Um, I got my, uh, in two, so 2008 is when I got out. Um, I didn't touch on that, but, um, within that, that first couple months of being out, I got a DUI. I'd never been in trouble with the law. Um, and you know, luckily for me, nothing you know I, I i served my time for it you know i yeah I, I did my community service i did the alcohol anonymous class i did all that stuff um mm-hmm. but it didn't stop it, it didn't stop me from drinking um it didn't stop me from doing any of the self-destructive things that i was doing you know and and just not providing a, a good a good home for my wife or my son right? yeah i can understand that it took me it took me a while to to get past it because my tr- my uh, uh trauma was when it came, when my son was killed in a car accident my firstborn so that threw me for a loop and that's where i i got lost i didn't know where to go and again it's self essentially self-medicated until i you know it just it just clicked it just clicked one day that i just needed to stop and it's like and oddly enough i sobered up during a uh training for a company i no longer work for but it was um, it, it just something in my mind mentally. I had to do it, but it's like the, I had to change. But it's like it was tough. I know. Go ahead, continue on. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. And so this is the you know one of the biggest regrets of my life is is not being able to give my son the affection and the attention that he needed in the early parts of his life, right? And and yeah. that's because I had no emotion. I was I was just cold. You know, and, and I didn't know what was wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I didn't even think that I had a problem that, I mean, that's, that's the first issue. I, I didn't think I had a problem. And so I would, I would drink heavily, take these, these, you know, these pills, that, these antidepressants that the VA was prescribing me that we like to call the VA cocktail, mm-hmm. uh, you know, antidepressants, yeah. painkillers, all this stuff. And, um, we just kind of managed through life you know, uh, for the first year that we were home. And then my wife um, started feeling the Lord tug on her. And, and, okay. And she, she had, she'd always been a, a, a Christian and, um, but she lost her way, but she, she knew, she knew who Jesus was. And, 
had a relationship with them and then kind of, you know, did her thing and then, but came, came, came back a lot quicker than, than, you know, than most people. Like she just realized that God was, you know, pulling at her to come. So she started going and checking out churches and she would ask me, you know, Hey, do you want to go check out these churches with me? And I was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm stepping foot in those places, you know? Okay. And, and, and my, res- my actual response was, if I want to believe in God, I can do it from, from my own home. I don't need to go to these places. And I finally gave in to her because as most husbands do, they, they get tired of their wives nagging on them or, you know, hammering them about something. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and I, I wanted to just be like, all right, I did what you asked. Now leave me alone. And I can tell you, Jeff, as soon as I walked into that church, I was at peace. Yeah. I, couldn't I, I, I know it's, I know the feeling. Cause like, uh, this, this past weekend was the first time at the church we went to. And it's like, it was, um, very like uplifting, very warm. I mean, it was a state of euphoria that you, you don't get very often. Cause it's like, I've always had a relationship with God, but it's like, I had a, tr- I had like my parents divorced in, in when I was eight. And then it's like well, I main I maintained the same pastor till I was twelve or thirteen. Then all of a sudden he left, no rhyme or reason for it. So I kind of got a little strained with the church, not with God. And it's like I got didn't get angry, did anything like that. I just kind of bared down to what I would go through through high school and stuff like that. And then I just kind of became like comfortable with who I was going to be with and try to impress anybody. Just like. St- stop giving a, a fuck early on an early age and it's, oh, yeah. and you you it's it's actually quite a rewarding feeling because then it's like you no longer have the pressures of society you focus on what's going to make help you out mentally and spiritually and such and you know it's it's amazing one that one things like connect it's like it's like it it was meant to be the tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end with previous sites we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location the tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system so now when you sight in your 20 yard mark you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system that's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Yeah, and, and you know, it's 
I, I, I mean, to this day, I can't explain it. I really can't. Um, I just, I, I felt this weight kind of lifted off my chest. And I, I, I didn't tell my wife. I was just like, you know what? I'll keep coming with you. It's fine. You know, I can, I can deal with it. And, you know, I started going with her every Sunday. And to me, that, that was, that was being a Christian. We all know that's, that's not being a Christian, right? Um, <laughs> no, no, uh, not really. But it was about six months into going to church. And, uh, I had my, as my wife likes to call it, my aha moment or the aha moment. The pastor was, you know, speaking in front of the church and he said, you know, if anybody's out there that, that wants to, you know, accept Jesus Christ into their heart and, and, and know that he's their Lord and Savior and that he died on the cross uh, so that they could be forgiven. We'd love to have you come down here and just, just kind of, you know, make that dedication. Um, and so I stood up, didn't tell her, stood up and walked down there and just broke down and started crying. Um, and, and, and accepted, accepted Christ into my heart. And, you know, from that moment, my life drastically changed. Now, I yeah. have not lived the best Christian life since that moment. It's been a kind of a work in progress. Um, but I met the greatest influencer in my um, archery career or, or, or life in that church. So the, the okay. assistant pastor was a Air Force, um, retired Air Force uh, captain. And he had shot archery professionally, very good shooter, worked at Lancaster Archery, which everybody knows. Yes. So that's, yeah, exactly. that's, that's I, the I, Lancaster I'm talking about. So that's where I'm from. See? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got right here. I got a gift certificate and, right and here. And the funny thing is, is I didn't know how big and how famous Lancaster Archery was until I started yeah. getting into archery. And he knew that he started counseling me first before anything. And then he started talking to me and he's like, you know what? You got to try archery. He's like, um, you can't have all that nonsense that you have inside your head and be able to hit that target. If you, and, and he's like, I know you're competitive. Let's, let's get you start shooting, shooting a bow and, and trying to use that as a therapeutic tool. And, and this is, this is 2011 that, that this happened, right? Okay. And all right. I, the very first time I picked up a bow, I had, I had that peace again um, because I had to focus with every single ounce of my being to be able to, to even get it close to the X on that target. Um, everything, everything Very was true. new to me. Um, you know, I, I, I was, but I was loving it and I, and I got the bug, but at the time uh, I didn't have a job and so I couldn't afford a bow. And Mm-hmm. He actually talked to one of his buddies and his buddy was willing to give me his old bow because he just got a new bow. So the very first bow that I uh-huh. placed in my hand that, that drastically, I would say, saved my life was a Matthews Adrenaline. Okay. All right. Solid, solid bow. bow. And from that moment on, I've been a Matthews guy. And so mm-hmm. um, one thing you'll realize with me is I'm a loyal guy. Um Trust is a big thing for me. And when I'm giving something, I don't usually go away unless they, they burn that trust. So I've, I've only shot Matthew's bows since 2011. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's incredible what it does for you. So going back to that moment, I started to realize that I had some serious issues. Now, 
what a lot of people don't talk about when they when you know they they talk about mental health or PTSD is there might be some underlying issues that have caused that traumatic experience to increase, right? So the more I've I've looked back on it and tried to realize, I think a lot of my childhood, my teenage years, the death of my father, all these things that were traumatic to me were and and that I suppressed and kept deep down inside mm-hmm. came to fruition and came boiling to the top after I went to war. Right. So you you couple that with the experience of war, the experience of death, the experience of all this stuff, right? And yeah. that happens to just make everything explode. And so I sought help and I would meet with this this pastor um every single day, right? And so yeah. um uh, started doing hunts, started doing all these things. And I started to, started to feel better. You know, I was still having issues, still needed yeah. outside help. And so uh, we came across an advertisement for Wounded Warrior Project on TV. And uh, okay. my, my wife signed me up and said, they, they have mental health programs and all these things. And I was like, oh, I don't need that stuff. I'm, I'm okay. Right. And at this time, we just had our second child. Um, okay. and I was still drinking really heavily. You know, I was still trying to seek the help, but I was, I was, I was not good. And, uh, my wife just finally had it. And she, she looked, looked at me and said, either you fix yourself and go get help and do all these things or I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving. It's just not a healthy environment for us. And, you know, I love you, but it, I just can't watch you destroy yourself. Um, and so I grabbed my fifth of Jack that I had sitting in the kitchen, dumped it down the drain. Then I walked into the medicine cabinet and dumped every pill that I had down the drain. And that was the last time that I had ever taken a pill. I won't even take, (laughs) I won't even take ibuprofen now. Um, just because, you know, to me, that's just a negative stain on my life that I don't ever want to go back to. And Um, it made me stronger. I went to uh, a mental health program for Wounded Warrior Project and saw that I was not alone, that there was other people out there that were struggling mm-hmm. with the same demons, the same things going on that I was. And I did so well on my uh, event, which was they're called Project Odysseys. And what they are is a three to four day kind of ex- ex- excursion where they, they fly you out to uh a location and it's okay. it's uh-huh. goal is to trying to get you to understand and manage your triggers and it did it exceptionally well for me and uh, i came home and i was like yep everything's going to change I- i'm so much better now i did this event and everything's great <laughs> nothing changed right uh <laughs> easily fell back into the, the habits and things that i that i was going through um, and still kind of live in this facade of I go to church, I'm a good Christian kind of thing and coming home and, you know, I wasn't drinking, but I was still angry at the world. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until they called me and said, Hey, we really thought you made really good progress. We'd like to have you back as a, as a peer yes. mentor, um, that, that everything really changed. And I, I, I felt this was the first instance that God was like, you have a bigger purpose. Um, at, 
you know, this is 2013, 2014 timeframe. Um, okay. And so I had a really good job. I was a project manager for an e-commerce web development company. I had gone back to school and, and got my bachelor's degree uh, in interactive media and web development. Although I couldn't build mm-hmm. a web page right now to save my life. It was kind of a uh, wasted education in my mind. Well- yeah, well, at least the nice thing is too. It's like I I can't do one either. I went to school for e-commerce too as well. But it's like I just you, you just as as times progressed, it's like the the details that I once knew are no longer relevant because now they have drag and drop scenarios because it just it's just how the technology works because they're having more and more people learning how to do it. So like the the demand for a programmer is no longer there. But I can understand that um, that uh, finding a purpose. Was was really difficult when I lost my son. It's like I, I bounced around. It's like an, and from job to job and de- dealing in some heavy heavy stuff that heavy opiates that are still to this day I don't take opiates anymore. And so, and what ended up happening to me was I got really heavy into paintball. Like I mean, I was talking playing Saturday, Sunday every nice. single week for several years. And but I had a job that allowed me to do it. I was working five days a week. I got paid every every Friday, so it's like I was able to take a, a chunk of that money and and do that. And it was like, kind of like my way of getting rid of an anger and getting rid of anxiety because it's like it wasn't about why it happened. It's just like I just needed some way to to exercise it out. And which it's like it kind of helped me with the final purpose because now I've been playing paintball for twenty. 23 years, 24 oh, wow. years now. And so it's like, yeah, so I've been playing for a long time. It's been, a, it was been a, a very high rewarding thing. So it's like, I've, I've gotten to the point where now I can teach people, I can coach people. I love refing. I just, it's just like, it doesn't take long to me to read up the rules. It's like I've refed several tournaments in Phoenix and stuff like that. So it's like, when you talk about ha- high heat and heavy heat, yeah, I, it's like, they may not reach 140, but I've, I've been out there 130 degree days in Arizona playing paintball, man. And it's, and doing a sun up to sundown type thing, dude. It's, it's, I can, I'm right there with you. Like people maybe once the wow. entire 24 hour periods like yeah it's it's insane and so it, it just kind of helped out and then the crash of 08 happened so it's like well i didn't have anything really going on in phoenix phoenix got hit really hit real real hard so it's like well i decided to go back home well actually no i ended up hitting the road it went yeah. hitchhiking around for about seven eight months or so through starting phoenix in july and then i made my way all the way up to to seattle washington made my way back down but it was a really kind discovery because it kind of allowed myself to get away from a lot of um materialism and uh getting away from the 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 rat race and stuff just kind of refocus on what really truly mattered and like really developing memories is what i like because like uh you, like, you know, it's like you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. So it's like you develop the memories and, and having a, a fun legacy and wanting people to hang out with you. It's, it's a lot more fun than that because, like, my dad's always kind of had that kind of philosophy with himself. It's like establishing a great group of friends. And then they, they still do stuff to this day. I mean, 20 years going fishing every May and every October for 20 years straight. Even during COVID, it's like so they still went and did it. Wow. It's like so they're all at the point. He's like he's almost seventy years old. So it's like, well, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna yep. have fun. And so you know, it's like, but it's like it takes a while to get past that um, the feeling because like for me with opiates, like there was the rush, and it's taken like I said almost fifteen. It taken a long time. I think it was like year twelve. I stopped having those those triggers, those flashbacks because like when you get that rush or when you get the sip, but when you get that uh, when it first hits your mouth or hits whatever that really gives that sensation that they're like, oh my God, this is I love this. And it's like where it's like, man, it's extremely dangerous. It takes a long time to get rid of that that flavor. And then it's like and then you get then go from there. But 
the pain never goes away, but it's your way of dealing with it. It's just like you're able to, the, the pain becomes small in a sense, and you're able to talk to people, and that's what really helps cut the boiling point. I don't know about you, but it's like if I, if I don't go, if I go long periods of time without discussing some form of a feeling or, or some type of an emotion, it can boil up. And then when it does, it, it feels like an eruption, like a volcano. And it's like it really just devastates whatever's around your area. It's like that's why it's good to get around folks to be able to that have had similar experiences to be able to reduce that that pressure. But keep going, man. This is a fantastic episode. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year yeah it's you know uh, that's this is the you know, another instance too, when, when, when God truly intervened in my life. And then, so I had been a peer mentor for Wounded Warrior Project, you know, unpaid, you know, just volunteering my weekends, mm -hmm. going back to these project odysseys yeah. and kind of preaching to, 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 uh, these other warriors, you know, and saying, you know, look, trust me, I was there. Uh, there was a point in my recovery and in my journey where I was contemplating playing, playing that nine millimeter flute, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 or, you know, doing it the slow way where, you know, I'm just going to OD on these pills that they prescribed me and wash it down with this, this jack. And, you know, maybe this world would be a lot better off without me. Um, but, and, and this is the big but is I like to tell them, you know, I found the Lord and the Lord changed my life. Mm -hmm. And, what he did was he helped me realize that it's not me that I'm living for anymore, right? Uh, a, it's, it's my family. Uh, my family plays a very big and large role in my life. And B, it's it's veterans. Um, and so I, from that moment on, I, I dedicated my life to being a veterans advocate, to speaking, to doing things that I could do um, to help other veterans. And so I came home from my very last Project Odyssey Spoke to my wife and was like, you know, I don't think I want to be a project manager anymore. Um, uh, this is not, this is not something I want to do anymore. I was like, the pay's great, but it's just something I don't want to do anymore. And she said, you know what? Why don't we pray on it? Let's pray on it before you go into work, and we'll, we'll see what God has to to tell us. Mm -hmm. This is this is 2017. Okay, February 2017. We pray. 
and we ask the Lord just to show us what I'm supposed to do. You know, what, where I'm supposed to go, what my purpose is, what my calling is, just to make it clear. By 3.58 p.m. on that day, I was fired. Wow. Without any, when it, you know, I had not done anything to uh, deserve it, so to speak. Um, the only reason that I was basically fired was because I had PTSD. And I didn't interact well with high-paying clients because I spoke the truth and spoke my mind. And, um, yeah, the day before, we had just taken company pictures for the new website that was being built. Okay. So there was no intention of, of me getting fired. You know, there was, there was, there was nothing there. Right. Uh huh. And, um, so I'm sitting there and the, the owners tell me I'm fired. All, the only thing going through my head was how am I going to break this to my wife? Now at this time, my wife had given up her career with a stay at home mom. I was a hundred percent of the income into our house. We had two children. We owned a house. We had all these things. Secretly, uh, I had put us in debt without her knowing because one of the things with a, with a head injury and mental health issues okay. is you're an impulse buyer. Ah. Even if you don't think you have the money, you are an impulse buyer and you tend to buy things when you shouldn't be buying. Things. That explains a lot. I've hit my head a few times and it kind of explains some of the stuff <laughs> I go on. Uh, it's like, yeah, luckily for me, my wife is very financially savvy. So she takes care of all this. She's a banker. So it's like she, she makes sure like this is your allowance is what you get. And this is how we need to balance everything else out. Yeah, it was a, it was a very scary moment and she had come to pick me up. Uh, she had the kids with her. Well, she had been texting me and I had been sitting in my boss's office and she's like, I'm out front. I'm, where are you? You're supposed to be down here. And I'm like, I'm in my boss's office, you know, and she's like, uh -huh. okay, it's, is, are you going to be long? And I'm like, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? It's not good. Are you getting fired? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And so I went down there and I just started crying because I, I was scared to death. Yeah. You know, I was scared. What are we going to do? Um, and so for, from, from February until March, I was jobless. Okay. Trying to manage, uh, unemployment income, you know, and, and, and disability income to try to make sure that bills are getting paid, debts getting paid. And so we had to hire some financial consultants to kind of from our church to kind of walk us through and, and help us and teach us. And, yeah. Um, they applied to Dave Ramsey school of getting us help. And so, um, it worked and we started this long road to just hammering this stuff out and just being trust, trusting in the Lord's plan. Yeah. That whatever was happening was because he had placed it in, in, in our path. And, and this thing's going to happen. Whatever is going to happen is going to be because of it. Um, so in, in, in March, I got this call from a friend and said, Hey, Wounded Warrior Project is actually hiring in Pittsburgh. Uh, and we think you'd be great for it. Why don't you apply for it? Okay. So I applied for it and I got a call saying, you know, that position just got filled, but the same position is going to be available in, in Washington, DC. If you're interested in, okay. in working. I'm from Pennsylvania. I, I did, I had no desire to go to. DC uh -huh. to work, but I felt God was, was putting this path, this in my path. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
you hear that's that's my newborn crying I in the background. I hear. Um, so sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, but a uh, continue to pray for it. And so five over five hundred people applied for this position. So one of the things with Lunar Warrior Project is a, a lot of people apply for the positions because it's just it's it's a wonderful opportunity to serve and you know uh, interact and just take care of veterans, right? And so. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this. There's no way. There's no way. And I just kept making it through all these interviews. And the thing with Winter Boy Project is, is their interview process is so long, so many different interviews with different people. And it ended up taking six months. Wow. To, to get offered the position. So six months of interview process. And when I got the last call saying, Hey, we would really like you for the job. They let me know I had 48 hours to decide. Okay. So, 48 hours to decide if I'm going to uproot my family and move to Maryland. So, I, you have to be fi- within 50 miles of the, the office. Okay. So I had to be in Maryland. I had to be on the uh, west side of Baltimore to be basically in that, in that range. And so, we, I was like, all right, this is what God wants me to do. Let's go do it. And my wife wanted no part of it. She's like, we are not moving. My family's here. Everybody's here. I don't want to move. Um, and so we, we talked to my pastor who became one of the closest influencers, like in my life, like mm-hmm. incredible, incredible human being. And he's like, Dave, God's telling you to go do this. You're, 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 I don't want you to leave the church, but he's, he's calling you. Yeah. So, calling you for this mission. Just being on a mission is not going to another country. It could be here. And and your your impact is going to be with, with the veteran population. Yes. You're going to be able to go into Walter Reed. You're going to be able to speak at bedsides with the, with these with these injured service members. You're going to be able to touch people and show them that the Lord is here for them and that He can He's working through you. And so I was at peace. And finally my wife was at peace. And so we put our house on the market. It sold in four days. Wow, that's impressive. Very impressive. Uh, and we found a place down there with one day to spare before I had to start working. Uh, so everything happened really, really fast. Okay. And so from 2017 to 2020, of June of 2020, uh, I worked for Wounded Warrior Project in Washington, D.C. And I was responsible for uh, Maryland um, and in Delaware, mm-hmm. uh, North and, and, and putting on events for, uh, wounded warriors. And so also going to Walter Reed and, you know, being an outreach there, getting people that were either getting out or they were wounded. Um, because the only requirement to, to join, uh, or be an alumni with wounded warrior project is that you serve post nine eleven, Okay. And, and incurred some kind of injury and you can still be active duty. A lot of people think you don't. You have to be out to be in there, but you don't. Okay. It could be any type of injury. You know, it could be physical, it could be mental, it could be um, a sickness, whatever it may be yes. that you're that you're going to receive a rating for. Okay, uh, qualifies you. So I was at Walter Reed, and, and and it was a blessing. I was able to pray over people that were not Christians mm-hmm. that said that I, you know, I would ask, hey, can I pray pray with you? You know, I want to pray for your recovery. I want to do all these things. I was able to be there front line and, and my heart changed even more. So my heart started to come back and I started to live this, this vision of serving others mm-hmm. in, in, instead of serving myself. And, um, 
I had this vision from the moment that I started working for Wounded Warrior Project of creating an archery program. Okay. And at the at the time, there was no such archery program within Wounded Warrior Project. There had been one okay. off where somebody goes and shoots a bow for a day or whatever. All right. I had a grand vision of teaching archery over a course of weeks. And at the end of that, gifting them a bow so that they can continue this process without Wounded Warrior Project's help. So that they have this therapeutic tool uh, at their disposal uh, for the rest of their lives, so to speak, right? Yes. And so I piloted this program where I took 10 uh, Wounded Warriors who had post-traumatic stress and put them through a six-week archery course at an archery uh, shop in, in Maryland. Yeah. Uh, with USAA, uh, uh, archery certified, uh, Olympic, uh, coaches. And at the end, we threw this huge party for them where the whole community came out to celebrate them graduating this archery program. Uh-huh. And, and we partnered with Bear Archery and Bear created these one-off bows with this red, white, and blue American flag camo paint, uh, on this bear bow for them and gifted them this bow. That's amazing. So not only were they gifted this bow, they were gifted arrows, they were gifted a, uh, a bag, they were gifted uh, a release, all the things that they would basically need. You know, the only thing they didn't have was a target, they'd have to go out and do this thing. Mm-hmm. It was a very costly um, pilot, and so I had told my bosses that I would probably be around two, three grand for it. And it ended up costing about seven thousand to seventy five hundred dollars, depending on what I chose. Which at the time, at the time, was still really good. You know, I was getting a Bears top of the line bow for seven hundred bucks. Wow, still um, really then, good. And then, yeah, and then everything else was, you know, gifted to them. And um, I got, I got chewed out, I got yelled at for it. You know, because that's that's a lot of money. You know, um, that's, that's donor dollars, so to speak. Everything's based off donor dollars. And I just spent seven thousand dollars on a, on an archery program, right? So, what is that to show for it? And then all these letters started coming in from spouses of these warriors that went through this, saying it's drastically changed them. They're they're changing how they're not angry when they come in the house. They go outside, they shoot their bow. Um, they're feeling great. Yeah. Everything's everything's clicking. Awesome. And then they're like, "Well, it's not a pilot anymore, Dave." Take it and run with it. Oh, that's amazing. But you, could, but you could only do so many a year because we don't want to go crazy, right? So okay. um, in the three years that I worked in, in Maryland, I ended up putting four classes through. Okay. Um, and I actually ended up meeting my best friend uh, through the very first archery class. Um, if anybody could have a long-lost brother, it would be this guy. He, he learned archery. Um it helped him in so many ways, so much so that his wife took up archery um, because she saw what it was doing for him and the passion that he was having for it. Yeah. Um, they recently, both of them just flew out here to do the total archery challenge here in San Antonio. Oh, that's with awesome. Um, and he's actually coming with me to Wisconsin next week to do the HHA USA shoot. So um, pretty awesome uh, turnaround for, for, you know, just to show the growth of, you know, him being shown that. It's actually into, two weeks. Next weekend's Mother's Day weekend. That's right. That's right. Two yeah, weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks. Yep. Yeah. So the 14th, 15th, and 16th, I'll be uh, up there. And so, um, yeah. And, and it, you know, I, I had 
always wanted to come to Texas. So in, in uh, March of 2020, I had applied for a job in San Antonio or not in San Antonio, but in Houston okay. with another mili- with another military nonprofit. Um, the mission continues, went through the inter- interview process, killed it. Uh, they called me and said, yeah, we, we want to offer you the job, but not in Houston. And I wanted to go to Houston. I had friends in Houston, everything. This is another God moment. Okay. Right? Um, they're like, we, we need you in San Antonio. We think, your skill set, you could build up the city of San Antonio. And what the Mission Continues does is they take military uh, veterans okay. that vo- that are strictly volunteers, that they take them into underprivileged, underdeveloped areas of the city and help build them up, right? All right. Through re- renovating parks, renovating stuff, building, you know, whatever it may be. But they're they're going in there and kind of doing God's work, right? They're they're helping these areas that desperately need it. Yeah. And so it just fit where I was going. You know, I was like, you know, this is awesome. You know, it's, it, to me, that's, it's God's work. And so I accepted the position, gave my notice to Wounded Warrior Project. They were so loving and kind that they let me give a two week notice in March when I wasn't going to leave until June. So, uh, it was a longer than two week notice. And, you know, most companies are like, all right, two weeks, you're out of here. You're leaving us. You know? Yeah. Um, because I had done so well and made such an impact, they let me stay on and continue to to serve warriors up until the time I was going to leave. Two days before I'm set to move to San Antonio, Texas, uh, I get a call, and okay. it's the um, person who hired me, and they rescinded the offer. Oh no, that's yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a kick in the kick in the gut. Yeah, you know? and, yeah, I'd say so. I had already started to leave. Uh, half of our belongings were already on the way to San Antonio. We already had bought stuff and had it delivered yeah. to San Antonio. We signed a lease in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, I looked at my wife and said, what do we do? Do I just beg to stay and we try to get all our stuff back? Uh, or do we go? Because they offered to pay me unemployment. Even though I had not worked one single day with them, they offered to pay me unemployment. Wow, that's really and nice of them. Yeah, it was very kind. Uh, I was angry. I was a really angry person at that moment. Um, but we trusted God's plan. We prayed on it again. And, you know, in these crucial times, we, we, my wife and I tend to get on our knees and, and kind of ask God to point us in the direction that we're supposed to go. And that's one thing that, that I absolutely love that woman for is, is her, her faith. And we both came to the, the conclusion that we were supposed to come here. Mm-hmm. And so we moved here with no job. Uh, two kids and, um, I started applying like crazy. And the next thing I knew, I was getting a call from, from the Air Force, uh, Wounded Warrior Program, not project. Um, and they had offered me a position to, um, come on and, and work on their, their outreach team and, and help their active duty, uh, Air Force. Uh, people that were in their program yeah. learn how to t- learn how to tell their story. Okay. Um, the great thing with Wounded Warrior Project is I've been telling my story for so long. I, I got to speak in front of you know congressmen and all these other people and, and tell them you know about the issues with burn pits, the issues with post traumatic stress. So I had this background of being able to kind of tell a story and kind of do it in ways that we can help to try to get legislation passed or to get um, 
you know, different military branches to see the errors in their ways. And so it was a great fit. And I had been there, uh, since August. And two weeks ago, they, uh, they, their contract was up with the contract provider. It was a government contract. Okay. And the new contract, new contract holder decided that, uh, <laughs> I was expendable. And so I was told, uh, that I would not be coming on with the new contract. So, okay. uh, I've been jobless. Uh, for the last two weeks, but I have a lot of great uh, opportunities. Um, but it didn't stop my drive. Like my drive has been solely a veterans advocate and getting the message out there of what archery can do for for the veteran population. Like my dream and my goal is to have my own uh, nonprofit where I take uh, veterans out for their first hunt, their first bow hunt, mm-hmm. um, and and have it on my ranch. Uh, here in Texas. So I have my own uh, deer, have everything set up where they can accommodate this and kind of just see the thrill. Because what people don't realize is when we get out of the military, and a lot of times when we're lost, it's because we don't have a mission anymore. Yeah. That mission's gone. Makes sense. Right? Yeah, you're right. And so what archery does is it gives you that mission. And not only archery, but bow hunting gives you that mission, right? Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of prep and a lot of thought process behind it. A lot of process, a lot of, you know, like, Playing the wind, playing, you know, your scent control, where, <laughs> where, where the funnel is. All this stuff plays into how you prep and just the, the marksmanship of a bow, you know, and, and understanding trigger punch. You can trigger punch a rifle, right? You can trigger punch your release. It's the same principles, right? Yes. And so that's been my focus, um, to, to this, to this day. And, um, it's kind of, you know, my, my, my story is ever evolving. It's always changing. Um, but the constant has always been God's, God's work mm-hmm. in me. Yes. Um, and, and changing who I, who I am as a person. Um, and I'm just thankful that, you know, I've had these opportunities that just have arose within, you know, the last six months. You know, one of the, one of the greatest people that I've, I've got to meet uh, through email and on the phone is, is Chris Ham from HAJ, right? Yeah. And he's somebody that, that if I told him, you know, on one of our discussions, if I lived in, in Wisconsin, we'd be in trouble because I, I would be with him all the time. <laughs> he agreed. Um, there's, there's, there's this bond that him and I have, have found. Um, and so I owe a lot of things to him because he has this, this change in his heart where he's, He's dedicated to uh, veterans yeah. and 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 getting them outdoors and getting them in archery and his kindness and his heart have have kind of showed me the example that that I want to do. You know, I want that same thing, and I want to partner with him. I want to partner with other organizations. I want to partner with as many people so that we can accomplish that. Did he and, happen to mention uh, mention Tyson Trunkhill to you yet? Yes. Okay. Yeah. T- I, t- t- he's he's been on my podcast. He's probably gonna be on here again. But yeah, he's a he's a good person to hook up with too. And then uh, uh, Chris Vegas should be coming up, and a few other folks that that I know that the that we've met through passing and stuff like that between Chris and I. So it's pretty exciting. But hey, if you ever decide to come up here, Matthews is in Sparta. It's like literally fifteen minutes from me. <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I, I, I was asking him if I had enough time to go take a tour. Um, because I want to, I want to be put in front of Matthew's higher up. Mm-hmm. 
right? And, and here's, here's why. I don't want a single thing from them. Yeah. But I want them to know what their bow did to me. And it was that Matthew's adrenaline. And then I went from the Matthew's adrenaline, I went to a Matthew's Creed. And then I lost my job when I had my Matthew's Creed. And I had to sell my creed and I gave up archery and I gave up bow hunting and I gave up all that stuff until I was able to start working again. Yeah. And I, and I was blessed because of that archery shop that, that I started that program with mm-hmm. gave me a Matthews tri- uh, triax. Nice. And since the, tri- and since the triax, I've had every Matthews bow every single year. And what I do is I, sh- I sell my old one and then I get the new one. <laughs> and right now, and that's how loyal I am. To yeah. Them, right. And, 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 and so, um, I've had the Triax, the Vertex, the VXR, and now I have the V3. Nice. And Isn't it, is it's a solid bow. It's a beautiful bow. I think, you know, I, I think Matt McPherson's a genius. Yes. Um, and I think that the, you know, my favorite archer in the world happens to be a shooter for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, I just think that they they are phenomenal and their content they put out. Um, but I want them to actually hear a story from somebody who, because of their bow, is able to sit here and, and speak to them in person, is able to pass on the knowledge of, of this wonderful gift that archery is to other people that desperately need it, right? It's not our goal or our job to save the masses, Everybody should wake up every single day with hoping to reach one person. Mm-hmm. If you can stop that one person every single day from deciding that this life is not worth it, the, the, the burden is too heavy, everything is just not good enough, then, then we, we've accomplished something. You know, my, on my whiteboard at Wounded Warrior Project was just touch one person's life today. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. And if we had more people that, that, you know, it's getting better. But if we had more people out there that, that had that same philosophy that would kind of give their shirt off their back to try to try to help and, and, and do that. And you're starting to see it in the archery community. I mean, the archery community is outstanding. It is. You're seeing, you're seeing events pop up now that are going to change veterans lives, right? So Black Rifle Coffee Company, uh, just held their second annual, uh, veterans adaptive shoot on their ranch here in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Um, several, uh, you know, adaptive athletes came and shot that course. People that hadn't been doing archery, uh, up until a month before they came out. We're talking double prosthetics, wheelchair bound, all these people that are doing archery and loving life and, 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 and kicking ass because of archery. Um, and when you see, you know, companies that like them that are, that are putting money out, that are doing things to, to get, you know, archery into their hands, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And we're starting to see that more and more. You're seeing John Dudley invest his time in veterans, uh, get learning archery. Yeah. Because he's seen it. You know, uh, Cam Haynes, another great person who is, is pushing for, for veterans and people to, to shoot a bow and, and to, you know, to be healthy and live their lives. It's, it's awesome. It's it an is. awesome time right now. And, and as sad as it sounds, COVID has a lot to do with it because yes. people had to find something to do. Yes, right? you're exactly they right. Had, <laughs> they, they had to find a hobby that could get them outside and typically keep them away from people. Yeah. Cause you can go out, you can go out and shoot in the backyard. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a game changer. Uh, 
the contacts that I've just started to meet because of Chris has been outstanding. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to the future. Yeah. So that's he's, kind of my story. He's really big in uh, helping people build spider webs. I don't know if you've heard him use that term yet, but he's all about intertwining. It's like, I've been able to, been lucky enough to introduce Chris to friends of mine at the bow hunters league. there out of Ohio friends of mine with the RPG coffee. They're, they're, they're doing stuff too as well. And it's been a, just a, a a fun like 2020 and 2021 has been a lot of blast and like a fun fact is that uh hunting licenses all across the board have went up 30 percent in 2020 so it's like they're seeing a whole new reemergence of it because it's like you couldn't do can't go to sporting events well they, then they all changed it and it's like everybody wants to get back outside hunting license fishing licenses and stuff like that. sales have gone up so even uh, when i was talking to chris last or two weeks ago trying to keep his uh, stabilizer system in stock has been tough because it's like it's just flying out the door especially like tacticam uh they made their new uh, seller camera last year and they it just kept on no place could keep it in stock and oddly enough like uh, benjamin stern like kind of comes into lacrosse all the time he actually comes to his plasma the same day as i do so i see him twice a week then on top of that uh, uh caledonia is like not even 30 minutes away from here too so lacrosse is kind of a a magical hub of these outdoor entrepreneurs that have just grown these businesses i mean uh, um Oh, what's that comp that's uh spray? Oh, we got Cooks Outdoor. They're based up uh, just out of um northern Minnesota. Then you have um Predator Camo just up the road here. So there's there's a lot of influential people in this area. Yeah, it's it's crazy. He's uh I don't I have a Matthews bow and everything else is is HHA on my bow. So I have I have those stabilizers on. Um I have the, the Virtus Rest and I have um, the Tetra Max on, as my site. And, yeah. um, and, and I told him, I said, now you're stuck with me again with the loyalty thing is that stuff's going to be on my, on my bow forever. And, and I'm only going to rock your product. Um, I'm never going to stop shooting Matthews. So those two are intangible. And then, uh, he made a connection with lacrosse. And so now I have lacrosse boots and, um, uh, I am kind of a, a snobby snob. I, I, I wear Sika uh, as my as my hunting clothes. But, but it's it's like uh, like I, everybody tells me like a tailor made suit because they're just really high end, man. They're just really worth every fantastic. penny. It's fantastic, and and they have a wonderful veterans program as well. Um, the discount and and a lot of people get mad for veterans asking for a discount. And here here's my my thing with I, I tell a lot of people too about when veterans ask for a discount. They ask for a discount a lot of times, not because they, they expect you to give them a discount. It's because they can't afford to pay what that retail price is. Yes. Right. A lot of, a lot of them are living off their, their VA disability mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And them trying to speak to their wife or somebody and saying, Hey, I'm going to go spend $300 on this archery clothes or I get a discount and it's only 260 or, you know, what I mean, like, that's the reason that a lot of people seek these discounts. And, and, and I told Chris, I was like, I wasn't seeking it because I, I want to take away profits from you. I wanted your, I wanted the best site in the world, yes. in my opinion, that I could never afford. And I saw by glance at a, a and, and I was told at a show, uh, that HHA had a military program. And then I was like, Oh, wow, I can finally have it. And I was like, that's why I was reaching out. Not yeah. because like, and that's the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is I, I got the Virtus, I got the HA Tetra. My last site was the um HA slider with the with the uh I still remember the model number, it's five five one nine, so it's like a single pin with a uh 0.19 size uh pin and it's like I've just I love them. They're just very easy to shoot, very easy to line up, and it's like they're very comfortable and it's like the plus the warranty is what sold me in the initial initially too. But I, I, yeah, my wife has the same setup too. we both shoot elite, but we, we just kinda liked them because like I was shooting Hoyt, then I switched to because it's like, but the Hoyt's like the jump; they're very fast. But I, I was having a golfer's elbow with my left uh, with my left elbow, so I was having difficulties holding it back. So I I went with Lee because they're really nice um, let off and it fit my budget. So otherwise, but now it's like a being around. Um, got to meet Kurt Headington from Expedition Archery, and then also um, my home archery shop here lacrosse archery it's like i just don't know who to like uh what what my next bow is going to be so it's like but my wife said it's like well you, you just you just you spend enough money building this ar so it's like your bow money's done so it's, i just got my bolt carrier today so my project's nice. done so yeah so i'm looking forward to assembling that but uh my friend um actually my other podcast that i host he actually goes to church with um oh why can't i remember matthew's the owner's name you just said it too Oh, Matt, Matt McPherson. There we go. Yeah, my wife's even met Matt McPherson a couple of times too when, when she used to work at Gander Outdoors. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and in, in, in all honesty too, it, you know, all these new bows, they're all exceptional bows. You know, they, they are. really they are. They really are. Uh, the technology in them is fantastic. Um, I'm just, you know, it's it's the loyalty thing. I know for a fact if I went and shot a PSE or or a Hoyt or an Elite or or a Bowtech, you know, what whatever I would shoot, I would like. It's just I'm I'm loyal, mm -hmm. and and that that adrenaline uh, is what started me on this journey to recovery through archery, right? Yes. And so I I can't walk away. I I had thought about it several times. Mm -hmm. Trust me. Mm -hmm. I went through a phase where I was like, maybe I need a carbon bow. Let me let me try a, a Hoyt, and um, and then I just couldn't justify that price. Yeah, that and price then, tag is pretty steep. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I my my son shoots a Matthews, uh, and he's got all AJ. I bought. I he just uh, finished his year uh, of homeschooling, and he did. Uh, he had a mock trial today that he actually had to be in a courtroom to do a mock trial. And he did flawlessly at it. And I told him that if he did that, I would buy him a Virtus. So I just ordered him a Virtus. Oh, exciting. Uh, to put on his bow because he had a really crappy rest. And he, he, he's been asking for the Virtus forever. And I'm like, you know what? Here's the goal. You kill it on that mock trial. We'll get you the Virtus. And I texted Chris. I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to order the, the Virtus for my son. And he was like, oh, awesome job. So, yeah. That's fantastic, man. I, and then we, now we got uh, coming up to the next HJ shoot, which is exciting to be there. And like this is the first scramble that it, that Chris is putting on, so I'm going to be shooting it too. It's like I like the fact that it's going to be a random draw, so you never know who you're going to be with. So even Chris is going to participate with it too. So it's like I've been uh, uh, getting out, and I actually have an AccuBo that I've been practicing with to make sure I get the the muscle and everything muscle mem uh, muscle training back going again too, and going from there. So, but it's the nice thing is like even though it's like you can go, I can go a couple weeks without shooting my bow. It's like it's like it just it just straw 
right back and ready to rock and roll, man. I am excited for this upcoming season. And then uh, my best friend just moved up here from Iowa. So it's like he's going to have his uh, first experience of some Wisconsin whitetail hunt. So I'm definitely looking forward. I'm going to bring him. You're going to meet him when you when you uh, come here with uh, with Chris. So uh, and so that's going to be an announcement to everybody that we're gonna, that uh, we're going to have a fun uh, fun filled dinner. Nice nice uh, nice night. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, I, I shoot a I shoot a very heavy bow, so uh, I don't know if you've followed my Instagram page, but I, I tend to work out a lot, and so uh, I shoot a eighty one pound V three, so my draw is eighty one pounds because uh-huh. I I feel in my head that I have to shoot a very heavy weight because I have T Rex arms and my draw length so short. Okay, so to to get <laughs> to get where I want to, uh, but it's it's smooth as butter. If I could get an eighty five pound bow, I would. Um, Heck, if I could even get Cam's 90, 91 pound bomb hammer that he, he likes to call yeah, no kidding. Uh, his bow, uh, I would do it. You know, it's, uh, it's a, I, I mean, I just love shooting. I'm so excited for this upcoming, you know, shoot. Uh, more, I, I, and I told Chris, I'm, I'm more excited with just meeting just a, a wide array of people. Yes. Um, and, and having content, he's like, he's like, I'm going to introduce you to so many people at this, at this, uh, this shoot. So, uh, I'm excited for that. I mean, I've really been blessed. Uh, you know, I've, I've picked up sponsorship and I, and, and I, you know, again, I'm nothing special. I'm just a veteran who likes to shoot archery. Um, but I, I was picked up by America's Best Bowstrings to, uh, be a pro staff shooter for them. Awesome. And so I have their strings on, on my bows and, um, you know, with, with HHA USA, uh, being a stock shooter for them, it's just, you know, that's, that's my goal, you know, because I feel like if I have this platform to, you know, talk about archery, why not talk about the, the, you know, companies that support that, that mission, right? Right. Exactly. And, and get, and get them out there in the hands of, of, of those guys. So. Uh, and, and America's Best Bow Strings actually made me a special set of strings that I will be debuting at the shoot. Oh, sweet. Um, I'm excited to see yep. those. Yep. Yep. They made some custom ones that I said, hey, you have free reign. The only thing that I ask is that it's got flow yellow in it um, because that's kind of the, the, the theme of, of my of my bow. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be shown off there. I guess, um, there's some people that are going to be filming uh, a couple of us veterans throughout the shoot, uh, that Chris had talked about. So we're, I'll be able to showcase them in that film and, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look. And while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. Yeah. Chris even told me to make sure I got a beard trim and a haircut. So I accomplished that last weekend. So he wanted to make sure it's like, well, I mean, you're going to get your picture taken. So make sure you look good. So it's like, I get it. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like, I'm just a guy that talks and I just happen to meet some really cool people over the, along the way. And it's like, it's opened a lot of fun doors. And it's like, I'm really looking forward to the upcoming future. Like next year, I'm, I'm trying to plan a trip out to do go, uh, bow fishing for paddlefish uh my last week's guest that his well actually this episode airs this week uh, well he shot the world record for paddleship 
paddle sh- uh, fish in 2016. It came in at 85 pounds. And then I think it was last year, 2018, he got beat by like a pound or something like that. And it's like he he had a video of his uh, 20, send me a video of his either 2019 or 2020. Uh, no, 20, 2019, because 2020, they canceled the season. But it's like he show, you, you watch him shoot it. It's like all you see is his little fin just out of the, out of the water. <laughs> and it's like that's all it was. And he managed to hook it. And he got it up to the – he got it to the – the uh the side there and he managed to get his, his um hand up inside the gill there and managed to get it up off there otherwise if he if the fish were struggling a little bit more he lost the the arrow it would have been it just yep. completely came out and it would have been like well then he'd probably belly up shortly thereafter yeah bow fishing's really huge here i i have yet to go uh i guess they 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 shoot alligator gar here yes they get massive uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was, you know, like I said, I was I was privileged to link up with Christian bow hunters in Texas, and um, they 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 go out all the time. The only problem is, is they go out super late at night, and you know, I, I turn into a pumpkin past midnight. So <laughs> I, I try, I try, I try to not. And you know, um, things have drastically changed uh, here within the last couple of weeks, as as I as I mentioned, I, we have our third child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been some adjusting, um, but she's been just a total awesome baby. I mean, last night she's, uh, today she's six weeks old. Okay. And last night she slept for seven and a half hours. Oh, congratulations. Which is, that's a day. De- which That's huge. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy for that, that age. And so, um, yeah, it's just been great. Um, you know, uh, I, I know we're, we're, you know, focusing on mental health and, and uh, I think moving forward, archery is going to be just a drastic tool that's going to be putting forth in front of a veteran to show them what can be accomplished through this. Right. Exactly. You don't need that. You don't need that antidepressant. You, you need a bow in your hand. You need a target in front. Yeah. Right. Uh, my friend of mine uh, is uh, John Avalos. He runs a uh, Bass Patrol Nation uh, down there in Florida, and he started his uh, his business up there doing uh, charity fishing events for veterans there at uh, the, you, you mentioned the hospital. Oh, what was it? You were in oh, DC, Walter Reed. Walter Reed. Yeah, he started right there back in twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and he's been growing this massive network all across the country of um, taking veterans out fishing. And so that him and I uh, met on Twitter, oddly enough, and then him and I recorded a podcast. And he's actually coming up in September, and we're going to go do a, a lake fishing event up there in the uh, actually oddly enough nine eleven. But it was the time where I was talking to him that they're going to be doing a massive. Uh, that's when a lot of fish we start swimming up north for um, trout and for salmon. So he's coming up uh, up here, and he's already paid for everything. So it's like I'm pretty excited to have him up here. But that was. Uh, He'd be fun to get to meet you and to introduce you to too, because he's a he's a Leo officer, been on the force for okay oh twenty some years, I guess, and he's state he's state police, so it's like he's got a different um, role that he plays with and everything. But it's like it's uh, him and I talk quite a bit of what's all going on and stuff like that. And he's I tell you what, his police department is very on top of what's going that would happen in, in Chop and then what's going up there in, in Minneapolis this this year and stuff. So because we don't know what's going to happen if uh, Minneapolis is going to have their own autonomous zone. <laughs> you know, it's just it's crazy because it's like it's. I I I hope not. I gotta fly into there, so you know, that's. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, I don't have to deal with it very long. I mean, uh, it was the closest airport to fly into to to get to that small little town to to shoot this shoot. So yeah, you could have flown into Lacrosse, but it gets real expensive fast. 
Yeah, it does. That's that was the other thing. I was like, well, nah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, because otherwise you have Chicago, but then it's then you have Madison, but Minneapolis is by far the easiest, and it's it's not that big a deal. Because the nice thing is Minneapolis, the uh, the airports in the south side, so it's like you're just gonna it's gonna be easy hop going through uh, fifty two, going through uh, Rochester, and then coming through Lacrosse, and then Tacoma, and there you are. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not a big fan of flying, especially seeing like. I don't feel like having a mask on my face for that, you know, that flight uh, the whole time. But you know, uh, I like to play by the rules, so I'll, I'll do it. You know, do do what's ask. necessary, man. Uh, yeah. You know, when we hit a lot of really key things, is like I, we've talked a lot about a lot of key aspects. So it's like I think getting down to us, the folks, the the, the biggest message that about this podcast is like get outside, get under, get behind a bow. Uh, find Jesus if you haven't found him yet or if you dare pray for those who uh, are in need and those who need the help but uh, you know Dave thank you for being on man you did a fantastic this was a fantastic podcast you know it's like I I opened up about myself that I typically don't do it so it's like this is a very powerful episode for myself and I, I think this is going to resonate to people not only here in the states but over overseas too as well yeah and you know I'm truly humbled uh, just just being asked to come on. So Jeff, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. I still don't think I, I don't still, I still don't think I'm that worthy of having a podcast, uh, uh, being on a podcast. And, uh, I, that's just me being humble. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, you know, maybe, maybe talking about, it. and it doesn't have to be, you know, archery, so to speak, right. Just get, just getting outdoors, finding, you know, get that, get that sun in your face, get that air in your lungs mm -hmm. and, 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 and you'll start, you'll start to get there. And, you know, and by all means, you know, if reach for help, yes. don't feel like you don't, don't feel like you have to, you know, take everything on yourselves. There, there's, there's people mm -hmm. now that really want to be there and, and help you and, and walk you on that journey. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And again, a big shout out to Chris Ham because if it wasn't for Chris, I wouldn't have met you. So thank you for him. Yeah, love him. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, folks, for tuning into this episode. Please go rate and review this podcast. I appreciate every feedback you can give me. And uh, thank you and God bless.